Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, remember Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Send the tweets, send the hot takes, at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N. And in a moment, because there's some things i got to get off my chest first off, in a moment, we will talk college football. In a moment, we'll talk college football. Because there's a couple things we got to get going first. This is, and I think that what, and I heard Robin talking about it with Howard Beck just about a half hour ago a little bit. There's a couple of things that we're going to see what the difference is between bubble basketball here, or at least we're going to start to draw some conclusions between bubble basketball and every other type of basketball. Because I'm watching Bucks Heat yesterday, and, and you're down 3-0 to the Heat. The Heat show you... And why I'm I used to hate the Heat as a fan because I'm I'm a guy from Cleveland, so I used to hate Miami as a fan. And now over time, if you're a fan of just basketball, if you're just a basketball fan, and and you want to see a team win where we don't have to put together super teams or we don't and you, save me the Jimmy Butler stuff. We don't have to put together super teams and there's no Adrian Wojnarowski or Shams and and we're figuring out what the, what guys are going to do in free agency. Miami's got to be the team you root for. The Heat got to be the team you root for. You the Bucks, they hey, they did it the right way. They they drafted Giannis. Giannis becomes an overwhelming force, an overwhelming presence. No doubt. You can you can give me the argument for the Bucks, but Miami's the team that 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 you have to root for. Ran by a good guy who or I don't know if he's a good guy. Ran by a guy who knows basketball as a team president. It's proven that Eric Spolstra has been a very good NBA coach. Usually these guys are ran right out of town on a rail. Eric Spolster has staying power. Eric Spolster has been good. I think that he has more than shown how good of a coach he is. And when they're up 3-0 in this series and you're leaving Giannis Antetokounmpo out there to try to figure out answers and saying that he needs to be better, I think we're seeing differences in coaching. Where just last year Mike Budenholzer was named coach of the year. That could completely be flipped this year. And what we're seeing is also the difference in maybe bubble basketball. Maybe. Maybe. Starting to draw conclusions about bubble basketball compared to everyday or regular postseason basketball in the NBA, where there's travel, there's wear, there's tear, there's there's away arenas, there's a expectation. 
And Miami has proven with this where there are guys there that I, I don't know. And, and I'm, remember, I'm going to make this brief because I got some college football to get into. That I would say Robin knew who I would be talking about. I think that Pierno would know who I'm talking about. Howard Beck, who was just on, would know who I'm talking about. Maybe some of the listeners would know who I'm talking about. There's a lot of guys there, with the exception of Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra. It's going to be difficult. You know who Giannis is. You know who those guys are. You might know who Mike Budenholzer is because he looks like Gil from The Simpsons. But everybody else, man. And to see the heat up 3-0... I want I want the Bucks to do well because I, I want to have a reason to keep Giannis there. You search up his name already. Well, Toronto might be one of the leading spots for him in 2021. A couple of other places. When they lost in the postseason last year, Malika Andrews had already had that article before they even walked off the floor about what could possibly happen with Giannis and free agency. So now the team that a lot of people say, and, and we can argue about who really started super teams, but a team that some people argue say started the super team fiasco with the Miami Heat, they're the team you actually want to see win. Because they're the team that's now built, that plays team-oriented basketball, that really has changed everything we talk about with the NBA, at least at least through this bubble. It's a 3-0 series. It's not over for for Milwaukee. It could set a, it could set up Giannis to do something truly historical. It could set Giannis up to do something that would be truly something you remember. But I just don't see it happening. I see wounded puppies. I see tired legs. And now when you do have a bubble mentality, I think it hurts a little bit with I think it does hurt a little bit with your psyche. You know, we heard Paul George talking about that a couple of about last week about that where where the bubble has been a little bit of a a downer for everybody and it's really messed with his head it's really messed with his game and I think that that's one of the things you have to take into advantage and there's some guys it, it seems to have made them better James Harden on both ends has played fantastic and last night was fantastic and put Houston up one nothing so it's very interesting to see how the bubble's working out where I I have a team then gosh when it was one nothing then two zero and we could blame it on the refs. We look at it in that way. We go, hey, you know, Milwaukee, it's still Milwaukee. They were still fantastic. I start to go, what if? If they get swept in this series or if they get, if they end up on something where they end up losing 3-2 or they end up losing 4-2 or they just end up losing this series anyway when they're already down 3-0, I think that leaves everybody to wonder, well, what if this wouldn't happen? What if this weren't a bubble? If they would have just kept going the season as it was, what, end up, what ends up happening to that basketball team? And this type of thing leads teams to make crazy decisions, strong decisions that can hurt them for the future. Overreactions. We talk about Mike Bunholzer's future. We talk about other guys on that team's future. Because as a person who's rooted for a team with experience in this situation, it's gone before you know it. And then in this time, especially when you start to see that countdown clock on free agency for your superstar, you begin to get desperate. 855-2124-CBS. The other thing that I've I, I got to get off my chest before we get to college football. The Steve Nash to Brooklyn thing, I heard what Stephen A. said. I understand that it deserves some scrutiny. We are very sensitive to this issue right now. And we've been sensitive to this issue in the NBA for quite a while. It's a league that's compromised of 80% black men. What makes this different 
And, yeah, I heard Jock Vaughn's available. Jock Vaughn would be a good coach. Ty Lu has been a good coach and has been a world champion. Mike Brown is probably an underrated coach. I know people hammer him for the first time around with LeBron. He did a good job as an assistant with Golden State, did a good job instead for State for Steve Kerr, while Steve Kerr had to get himself mended. Mike Brown's probably been an underrated coach by and large. Mike Brown would probably make a pretty good choice. The difference is here is I think people need to understand in this case that it's not about the coaches, it's about the players. It's a league compromised of 80% black men. And we go, why are there only five NBA head coaches that are black men? And it doesn't seem right. And it seems like there's a disparity. But when you look at what the Brooklyn Nets are, and that this decision was signed off by Kevin Durant and by Kyrie Irving, and more on Kyrie Irving in just a moment, who are two African-American men who signed off on this deal, these are men who are put in charge of their franchise. The owners of the Nets, the front office of the Nets, they know that they aren't getting anywhere without these two guys being healthy and these two guys being motivated and happy and ready to roll. They're going nowhere. This can be a volatile situation. This could be something with these two guys. Kevin Durant gets on social media and argues with 14-year-olds on Twitter. Kyrie Irving, we already know about some of the stuff with Kyrie in the past. Whether he believes it, whether he means it, that's up for debate. This is a situation that could be a powder keg. I'm not saying Steve Nash should go in there and massage butts and tell everybody that everything's fine. Steve Nash won't do it. He's been a player in this league. And I think that's the reason why Kevin Durant... And Kyrie Irving signed off on this. Durant has a reputation that he has to probably bolster up over time. From the OKC move to Golden State, to Golden State, to the Brooklyn Nets, you have a reputation that you need to bolster as a winner, as a leader, as the alpha dog on your basketball team, and a guy who can take over basketball games yet again. Coming back from a serious injury. Kyrie Irving, the same thing. He took it personally when he heard that LeBron wanted... Chris Paul, to be his running mate. He took it personally, and rightfully so. Forced his way out. Then the rumors became clear about the lack of leadership, the problems that he had with the front office, the problems that he had with Brad Stevens in Boston, the problems that he had with the rest of the team. These are two guys who's back for their legacies. While they've both accomplished incredible things, their legacies, their backs are against the wall. They made this decision. If you want to talk power, that's the power. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, both black men in America, made a decision on who's going to be their head coach. What is more powerful in the NBA than that? Unless they were to own the basketball team and they made a decision that an owner would make. They decided who leads them. They could have had their pick. They're both incredibly talented players at their peak health, which is a question with both, obviously. At their peak health, they're both incredibly talented players who can go out and win championships and can do big, big things in big moments and help teams win. There's an argument about this. Trust me, there is. It's not that this isn't an argument. This is an argument. It's just not in this case. These guys were picked. Steve Nash was handpicked by these guys to lead their basketball team. He may be a huge, tremendous failure. 
He may be a guy who ends up being the next Phil Jackson for all we know. I don't know. And people wanted to say, well, Derek Fisher had no experience before, and Derek Fisher ended up getting a job, and Jason Kidd really had no experience before, and Jason Kidd ended up being a, getting a job, and all that's true. But it's not even that comparison. For this, it's that two black men on their basketball team and a league that's comprised of 80% black men made this decision on who their head coach is. Where's that power? It falls with those men. 855-2124-CBS. I'm sure that'll get brought up again later on in the show. We also have something else to get to because, Pierno, get ready to hit it. It is time. We have college football on the docket this Saturday, baby. Go! You can smell it in the air. Oh, just listen. You remember Uncle Vern. Nayland Stadium, 102,000 volunteers welcome you. Peyton Manning, Mike DeBose, it's Alabama, it's Tennessee, it's next. Well, it's not necessarily next because that's still a couple weeks. But we have college football. We didn't think it was going to happen, and we actually have college football. Thank goodness for good work, for testing, for due diligence, for wearing masks, Thank goodness, no, thank God for all that. Because today at 1 p.m. Eastern, yes, yes, you bet your ass I will be watching Eastern Kentucky and Marshall. You better bet your ass that I will be trying to tune in to CBSSN and to watch Ross Tucker and to see Middle Tennessee State take on Army. You know that I'm going to be trying to do my best to watch Houston Baptist at North Texas, whether or not it's Memphis, whether or not it's Arkansas State. Who's going to win tonight at 8 p.m. on E? ESPN, I am in. And even at 9 p.m. tonight, when I've already got bent down to the bottom of the bottle of black velvet, and I'm just kind of giving a weird look at the TV, taking a look at the parley, seeing about who I want to take, it is time to go to the fabulous town of El Paso as Stephen Stephen F. Austin takes on UTEP and the Miners at 9 p.m. live from the Sun Bowl. It is back. College football is back, and America rejoices. Except you're missing a couple of major conferences. Dabo, oh, Dabo got some people in a row earlier this week. Pierno, do we have that clip? Give me a yes or no. Do we got that clip? Dabo got people in a row earlier this week. He was asked whether or not he'd be waiting on anybody else to uh, get in the college football playoffs. Here's what Dabo had to say. No, no, we're 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 ready. We're ready to roll, and uh, you know that would be that would be. Uh, Something I wouldn't be in favor for. I'm all in favor of them playing. Uh, I'd love for them to, to play. That'd be great. And I think the testing is is a is a great opportunity for everyone, uh, for sure. But it'd be it'd be kind of hard to start in November and 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 then get in there. Uh, uh, you know, but we wouldn't want to push the season into February and all that stuff. That's we, you know we, we're going to uh, push forward. Something changes, it changes. But you know that's where we are right now. That's Dabo Sweeney a couple days ago. Some people got worked up about it because, listen, I'm from the northern part of the country. I just said at the beginning of the show, some people up there got upset about it. And, and listen, it's not – I'm in an Ohio State area. I'm not an Ohio State fan. Save it. Dabo Sweeney said he wouldn't be waiting on anybody. People got upset about it. 
I got to tell you right now, I don't blame Dabo. I don't think anybody should. The Big Ten's been an absolute mess. I got different sources coming out. We got Sir Yacht on Twitter who is saying that he has sources, which he may very well have sources. We don't know. Says he has a Big Ten AD or a Big Ten chancellor that he's talking to personally. So go on ahead. Go on and get that. Go on and do everything you can to get that because Ed Wittenberg's out there and a couple other people are out there. Nicole Arabeck, whether or not there's a get back and forth, there's whether or not we're going to have a vote. Chris Spielman said himself yesterday they thought there was going to be about an 80% chance that they would have a vote. No vote was scheduled. Doesn't mean you can't get together on your phones and start to vote if you're the Big Ten chancellors. It has been an out-and-out disaster. This story that came out earlier this week about myocarditis, which scared the bejesus out of me, because I've been on both my stations, this station and my local station, talking about, yes, I've talked to two doctors. When the myocarditis issue was first brought up, I, I, I talked to two doctors, one of the Cleveland Clinic, the other one with the Altman Health System here in Northeast Ohio. The Cleveland Clinic is one of the greatest hospitals in the entire world when it comes to heart health, cancer, everything. And when I talked to them and they said, Ken, this is... It doesn't happen to everybody, but it is one of the things that happen with rigorous training. Coronavirus or not, it's one of the things that are possibilities with rigorous training. If you, if you work out to an upteen level, you are going to probably have a couple of issues here or there where, yes, myocarditis can develop because you're not working at optimum regular, hey, every day's looking good, let's live our best life level. That isn't the usual workout that football basketball, baseball, Olympians are doing. That's not their workout. They're over the edge and beyond. The, the stuff we used to love, the Walter Payton, the Jerry Rice, those workouts, those have become the norm. And so I repeated that because these are, these are learned men. These are doctors. And then when that stat comes out, 30 to 35% of people who tested positive – who were athletes, had myocarditis. I went, holy Toledo, what is going on? And then later on that day, nope, this is false stuff. Total false. Yeah, they did a study, but we're at zero. The NFL said they're at zero. Great. That's wonderful. That's awesome. We can go out and we can freak out for a few hours. Even in the morning I did. I didn't even see the night re nightly report. And we can go out and freak out for a couple hours and then look foolish for our freakouts here. It, it has been... An unmitigated disaster, unlike anything you know. And the only thing I can say that's any bit different from anything you've heard throughout the entire last, what, month now, is that I think it's, you can you can rail against Kevin Warren. He makes an easy target. He's supposed to be railed against. If you really want some change, get a hold of your chancellor. Get a hold of your university president. Because I saw the Stuart Mandel tweet just as much as anybody else did, and obviously we've been talking about it for a long time, that you have schools in the Big Ten, in the Pac-12, that are more than welcome to welcome students on campus. Let them be paying customers because, as we always say, athletics is a big part of a college's budget. It is a, a, a large sum. It pales in comparison to what they get when a person moves on campus and spends money on tuition, on room, on board, on books, on everything. It pales in comparison to that. And so that's what's got to be the one thing that they always try to protect. And Stuart Mandel put it right there and simple. Michigan football decided that they wanted to vote against, or excuse me, the University of Michigan decided that they wanted to vote against football for the fall. Meanwhile, they welcomed in over 40,000 people on their campus. Is it really truly all about safety? No. No. 
the hypocrisy is piling up, the ugliness is piling up, and people wanted to go after Dabo Sweeney because it's become a fashionable thing to go after Dabo Sweeney, and definitely on a lot of issues, Dabo Sweeney has certainly stuck his foot in his mouth. If not, I'll go even further, and it's really showed his ass about a couple of situations that are going on in America and around the world. But this, I agree with Dabo. I'm waiting on nobody. I'm waiting on nobody. We know what happened with TCU yesterday. I'm waiting on nobody. I know that we're not out of the woods with this. I know this isn't the time to sit and become complacent and to not go with compliance and to not do what's best for each other. I get all that, and you do too. But I'm waiting on nobody if I'm Dabo Sweeney or if I'm Lincoln Riley or if I'm Nick Saban or if I'm Coach O or anybody up and down those rosters or those conferences. I'm not waiting on a single soul. You're either with us or we leave you. Not against us. We leave you. Because you need to focus on your recruiting. You need to focus on keeping players. And also, would Ohio State or Michigan or anybody in the Pac-12 or Big Ten, would they wait on you if the shoe was on the other foot? Hell no. No. It is cutthroat 24-7. Get the kid. Get him on the field. Win the football game. Get more kids. Win more football games. That's the name of the game. Dabo Sweeney cannot afford, and his program can, and his conference can, afford to wait on anybody. This is about keeping guys between the end of the season and the college football playoffs because if they get a chance to go home, and hopefully we're talking about something a little bit different other than public health, we hope, we pray, we, we sincerely do, but then family members get involved, and, well, you know, if we're going to push this back, all of a sudden – you got to make a decision for you, Junior. Dabo doesn't want that. Dabo's not an idiot. Dabo says some things that are stupid. Dabo's not an idiot. He knows that and every other coach does. If you want an asterisk, fine. We put asterisk next to every single college football championship. Before the college football playoffs, we put champion. We put asterisk next to every championship before the college football playoff. If you want to put an asterisk for the people who have been watching college football for a long time, that is nothing new. That's old hat. You want to go ahead and try to make an argument for that, you go right on ahead. I, In fact, I encourage it. I'd love to hear Big Ten fans or Pac-12 fans argue about the type of team that they had and how they could have beaten they could have beaten Clemson or they could have beaten Alabama or they could have beaten Oklahoma or they could have beaten Georgia. I would have loved to hear it. I just don't think it's possible. The Big Ten's best hope right now is that, first, they vote and vote right and get their medicals together, get their get their doctors together, get everything right, especially with the new testing, and then get the college football playoff committee to go, listen, I know you guys are supposed to have hard and fast rules about this type of thing. Our standards have changed in America. Maybe your standards should change as well. Because if Ohio State gets in, and I use them as the example in the Big Ten because they're the class of the Big Ten, if Ohio State gets in eight games, goes 8-0, beats Michigan, beats Penn State, beats Wisconsin, no matter how you want to draw it up, it's going to be hard to say that they're not one of the top four teams in the country. That's their best hope. But if we're going to keep things as they are, and Ohio State, or excuse me, Ohio State wanted to play, if the Big Ten Want some sort of a pushback? Nope. No room at this end. I don't have time for you because you wouldn't have it for me. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Should there be an asterisk? And should maybe, if you disagree, the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC agree to push things back when it comes to the playoffs? It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show.
Just a few minutes away, Barrett Salee will join us. We'll talk college football with him, everything going on, whether or not the Big Ten should be waited on. I really don't think they should. I think that what Jim Harbaugh is doing is right. I think what Ryan Day is doing is right. With, with the same thing with James Franklin. When you had when when the story came out about the Big Ten in that Ohio State, Nebraska, and Iowa were the teams that voted against or the schools that voted against it. It's not just teams; it's schools. It's it's school presidents, chancellors, what have you. When that story came out, I you have to fight every single day to try to overturn the other ones. And we're seeing it across the country with, with football at the high school level. The state of Michigan, they decided, which I was surprised about that, the state of Michigan decided I think they're going to start September 17th. A couple other states have been considering it here. It's it's not about, well, we can we don't have to take it as serious as we have to. No, 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 no. You, you do take it seriously. Testing has changed. Hopefully, science has changed a little bit, even though I don't know what type of science has changed. And you can still, if you're the Big Ten, you can go back. You can adjust your schedule. You can go back. You can start in October. What is wrong with that? You've made a mistake. Why double down on it? We find out that there might have been no official vote. We find out different stories every day, which it's, it's gotten to a point where I don't even know which one to go with. We found out every day that, well, there might not have been a vote and also that they did it without the Board of Regents deciding as well. So there might be backtracking done by some of these presidents. We're not sure about the medicals just yet. The doctors have to get this. The school doctors have to get all their ducks in a row before they go over this. Like this, this could be still a process. But if you can go back to October and play, go back to October and play. Play a truncated schedule. Talk to the college football playoff committee. Because your darling, if you're the Big Ten, I got. Listen, no offense to the, no offense to Penn State, no offense to Michigan. If either one of those teams end up going seven and zero, eight and zero, whatever, we'll have that conversation. We will, in, in full honesty. Same thing with Wisconsin or anybody else, or even in the Pac-12. I know the Pac-12 wants to go hand in hand with with the Big Ten, but you get together with the college football playoff and you say there might be cancellations with some of these other schools. We're already saw it at TCU. It could happen in the Big 12. It could happen in the ACC and the SEC. Remove the restrictions about the least amount of games, or at least lower the restrictions about the the minimum amount of games played for consideration. Let's all get in this together. Let's talk about this together. Because for the college football playoff, they're there to, one, yeah, find the very best. Obviously, that's what they say. The other part is they want to make money. Ohio State means money. That's what it is. And so if you play seven games or eight games, I'd love to have an eight-game schedule in the Big Ten. If you have an eight-game schedule in the Big Ten, talk to the playoff committee. You're going to leave Justin Fields out at 8-0? You're going to leave Ohio State and their viewership out at 8-0? Going to do that? Because you can do it for everybody else. You can do it for Notre Dame. You can do it for every other conference if you want to. And you'd still vote that way. But as far as Dabo Sweeney waiting, not a chance in hell. They wouldn't wait for him. Not a chance at all. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll talk to Evan Silva. 12.40 p.m. Eastern, we'll talk NFL with him. Up next, Barrett Salee going to join us. One of the very best in college football's capital down in Atlanta. He'll join us. We'll talk about the college football playout with him. It is Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. 855-2124-CBS. 855-2124-227. Coming up at 11 o'clock Eastern. Fair warning to any Jags fans out there or anybody thinking about learning from the Jags. We'll get to that. Also, my my QB 
pressure scores for 2020. Baker Mayfield's pressure quotient actually went down. I'm as surprised as you are. I swear to you. We'll get to all of that coming up, but right now we go to the hotline. We welcome in Barrett Salee. Because what's going on in college football with the Big Ten? <laughs> Everything else is going seemingly okay. It, it, it might be a bumpy ride, but we'll hopefully get to the end of it. Barrett Salee joins us on the show right now. CBS Sports, CBS HQ, Sirius XM College Football. Hello, Barrett. What's up, Ken? How are you? Doing well. First off, did the move go okay last week? Moving sucks, man. <laughs> it went all right. It's still going, to be honest with you. We've got contractors in here. We've got painters. So uh, oh. big stuff in, little stuff still sitting in the pod in the driveway. So I'm sure my neighbors uh, absolutely love me right now. Ah, the hell with them. They're not paying your mortgage. You're paying your mortgage to hell with those people. All right, Barrett, and uh, again, congratulations on the move and everything Thank like you. that. I'm, I'm glad to have you, my friend. And first off, all right, let's start with the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and the ones that actually plan on playing college football right now. Dabo said yesterday or a couple days ago that he's not going to wait. He doesn't think he should wait. Some people started grumbling. I totally agreed. I think that the Big Ten's best chance is to start maybe in early October and then maybe have a talk with the college football playoff committee and say, hey, you already saw TCU. They had to move one or they had to postpone one. Maybe we should lower that criteria for how many games you actually have to play in there. What say you, Barrett? Yeah, I think they'll do that. Uh, I think that the playoff committee understands that there's, there are going to be so many moving parts uh, through this season that every rule that they have is more of a guideline and all those things can be changed. So, uh, you know, Davo's right. You know, the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 have their different uh, methods. They don't need to, to kowtow to, you know, anybody, um, which incidentally is kind of why the Big Ten got into this mess, because they thought they could force conferences to uh, to do what they wanted to do. But, um, you know, yeah, uh, if, if the Big Ten starts uh, on October 10th or whatever, uh, then, yeah, they can make the playoff. And I think that's the goal right now. But, um, you know, uh, I think Davo's right, and I think, you know, Everybody else understands, you know, that all systems go. And I think that's why, you know, you have, uh, you know, some of the best commissioners uh, and best leaders in all of sports with those three conferences because they understood, hey, you know what, let's wait. This is an evolving situation. None of us have done this before. Um, and so let's try to get the season in the best way possible. And they're doing it. And that's at the expense of the Big Ten. And there's no chance anybody waits. The Big Ten, you know, they, they made their bed. They have to sleep in it. And now they're trying to get out of that bed, it seems. Because I, I would see if if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are the ones still playing, I don't think they'd wait around for anybody else. we we got to talk recruiting. We have to talk about sure. players actually staying. I mean, you have you have Ohio State and a couple other schools that play at very high levels with big-time athletes that are certain to go to the NFL. you got to get those guys to, to buy in to actually play in the college football playoff. Dabo seems to be getting demonized by us up here. Now, I know you're down in the south. Maybe there's a different tone there. But I'm like, man, I, I do the same thing, the same exact thing. You, no, just because you guys aren't going to play doesn't mean I have to sit around and wait for you. That's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. You know, and I think, uh, you know, Dabo Dabo's right. And I think a lot of the coaches, all the coaches down here understand that from a program sustainability perspective, you know, you have to be able to, to play in the fall because you're going to lose basically two classes if you don't because you already lost one to graduation last year. Uh, and then if you play in the, in the spring, um, then, you know, all your seniors, all your draft-eligible guys, they're not playing. You know, you're, you're basically signing up for a uh, completely watered-down version. So uh, if there's a chance to play, you got to play because the program – 
from a financial standpoint, we know about that. But just from a pure roster management standpoint and a pure uh, functionality standpoint for the next few years, you got to have the bodies. You, you just have to. And, um, you know, you can't sign two classes in one, in one year. So, you know, I think Dabo understands, hey, look, for the, for the betterment of football, for the betterment of the conference, for the betterment of his team, uh, and for, um, you know, the future of the sport, you got to try to play. And, and the future of that sport uh, is, is in the balance in a lot of different ways, uh, most notably from a financial standpoint, but certainly from a personnel standpoint. Barrett Salee joining us on the show, college football writer, national college football writer, CBS is also on CBS HQ, also Sirius XM College. Uh, contrary to what you may think, I do read you, and I read that whole deal on Thursday. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. And I'm I- sorry you do. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> if somebody's got to do it right. <laughs> at least there's one i keep the whole cbssports.com <laughs> website afloat because i read all you all right you wrote that george is overrated mm-hmm. i don't want to i don't want to disagree with you yet i want to hear you out on that because i'm re i i've read it already and i wrote this down for today explain to everybody why you think george is overrated well i incidentally i did say that before jamie newman bailed uh, and opted out I just think in a year like this, when you've got very little practice time and you've got a disjointed offseason, you know, not, not having spring practice will impact some teams more than others. And it will impact Georgia, uh, I think, worse than anybody else because new offensive coordinator and Todd Monken, who's specifically there to change the offense, uh, an offensive line that's rebuilt, wide receiving core uh, that really is George Pickens and roll the dice, uh, Zamir White's a good running back, but is, can he be an every-down back? Uh, all of those moving parts, coupled with the fact that the quarterback situation, even with Jamie Newman, uh, was going to be a challenge because you haven't had chance, a chance to work. But now with JT Daniels or Dewan Mathis, you really don't know what you're going to expect because JT Daniels isn't even cleared to play yet. Um, you know, so all those pieces together – um, you know, just has me really concerned. I mean, fourth in the nation, uh, you know, favorite in the SEC East. No, uh, they just don't belong there. And, you know, I understand that a lot of folks will say, all right, look, well, the defense is going to be next level good. And that's right. But for the last 10 years of college football, I think we've all learned that defense doesn't win championships anymore. Just enough defense wins championships. And that's a moving target based on a variety of factors. The defense is going to have a bad day. It's going to happen. That happens to every good defense regardless of level. And when that happens, can you outscore a team? I don't think Georgia can. I kind of liken them to the Dallas Cowboys of college football. They have a, a ton of money. <laughs> their, their boosters will spend anything, and they'll give you time. Mark Rick stayed there forever. Jason Garrett stayed in Dallas forever. And they just don't get over the hump. Am I wrong or am I mm-hmm. right? You're right, although I think comparing NFL to college is a little different based on just how the, the sport is structured because, you know, Mark Rick, you know, a lot of college football, at least championships, are luck. I mean, you've got to be good, but you've got to have an extraordinary set of circumstances to line up for you to win the national championship. Georgia in 2012 was the second-best team in the nation, lost to Alabama inside the five-yard line in the SEC championship game. Alabama went on to smoke Notre Dame. Georgia would have gone on to smoke Notre Dame, too. Uh, the other couple of years that Mark Rick had great teams, I'm talking about, uh, you know, 2003 uh, when USC won it, uh, and 2007 when they had Stafford and no Sean Moreno, they lost games, but they didn't get the luck around them. Whereas, you know, you can look at certain other teams 
Alabama in 11 and 12 is one of those where the dominoes fell in their direction. Uh, Alabama 2017, in most years of the college football playoffs, they wouldn't have gotten in at the number four spot, but they did, and they took advantage and won the national championship. I think Georgia under Mark Rick, the perspective and the reason he stayed for so long was that the, the folks that were decision makers recognized, hey, this guy's going to be in the mix every single November. He's had some elite teams that didn't get the good luck. But in reality, if you're in the discussion in mid to late November for a national championship in college football, that's really all you can ask any pro- of any program not named Alabama and Clemson. Barrett Salee with us on the show. Gosh, I love that. Uh, let me ask you about the Big Ten. Are they going to reverse course? <laughs> I think they'll play in the fall. It'll probably be starting in November uh, just because I just – the Big Ten, I know Kevin Warren takes a lot of the heat, and, and rightfully so, because he's the manager. You know, in, in reality, he's the one who's supposed to manage the 14 presidents. Uh, the messaging was awful, and I think the biggest thing that happened that no one seems to want to talk about is that – the Big Ten vastly misread the room and did not understand their place in the, the college football pecking order. They thought that they were the elite conference, and that just shows a massive lack of self-awareness. I think now, since nobody followed – well, since the Pac-12 – we need the Pac-12 on the play. Since the Big Ten, uh, 12, SEC, and ACC didn't follow them, uh, they're trying to, to you know salvage whatever they can and whatever dignity they can. Um, so they're going to play – I just I don't know if they have enough time to do it before October 10th, which would mean the college football playoff is likely not going to include them just by virtue of timing. Um, you know, I think it's it's just sad that it went like this. But, um, you know, I think what, what really happened is that they thought they could lead the way. They tried to use myocarditis as uh, the reason to postpone, hoping that everybody else would follow them. And now – you know, they look silly because now they're trying to play in October. They're trying to play in November. They're trying to play in January. Well, if myocarditis was a problem in August, it's, it's still a con- it should still be a concern in October, November, and January. Uh, and yet now, clearly, it's not. So I think it shows really shows the hand of what the Big, uh, the Big Ten was actually trying to do and where their mindset Why? was. Why? Why didn't they just wait? Why? I don't Eric? know. I don't know. I don't like you know. Could- like, I, I, I looked at it and we said, because I, I remember listening to a lot of you guys and even Feinbaum and everybody, and it's like, well, it's a matter of time before the other three don't, or the other three do it too. And I believed it. At the time, I believed it. and Because I, I kept saying, man, it, when this thing first out broke, I go, I think we'll have NFL football. I think there's going to be a real problem with college football. And then they did it, and they used the myocarditis thing. Just like you said, this report comes out this week. We find out this Dr. Sebastianelli report comes out. We find out it's it's kind of false <laughs> we find out it's false and i'm like everything you guys do turns to turds there's nothing just just go back just if there's a way find a way to go back and play in october and it doesn't look like they might have the time from what you're telling me here yeah and, and that's kind of why for, for me as my job i've kind of approached this as if somebody asked me what was going to happen this summer i said i think this but i don't know this and, and that's why I think those people that wrote the stories in June and July saying we can never have college football, you're being an alarmist for the sake of being an alarmist, right? Like none of us have done this before. I mean, I, have you been in a pandemic, Ken? Because I have not, you know, never. so we, we're all kind of new at this and everything changes, you know, seemingly week by week, day by day. And so, yeah, they, I, 
I think they wanted to be the leader. I think they wanted to be conservative. Um, you know, was it political? Yeah, maybe. But, um, you know, I think now when you look at what happened since then, the saliva-based test, you know, clearly was on the radar before the decision and a week after they canceled, then suddenly it becomes uh, widespread, uh, widely available. It's like, guys, don't you understand the life that we're living right now? Because, you know, in a week, in a month, in a year, there could be all kinds of different things that make it easier to play college football. So I, to answer your question, I have no flipping idea why they canceled when they did. Um, but I, I, again, lack, lack of self-awareness, but also I think just kind of lack of understanding of, of where the whole world is in terms of life. They thought that for whatever reason, there were, there were, there was hard and fast data that necessitated them postponing. And I, for the life of me, I can't see why anybody in any walk of life could ever think that any set of data regarding COVID-19 in early August was set in stone. I can't, I can't figure out why anybody would think that. Barrett, I thank you so much for the time. Follow this guy on Twitter, at Barrett Salee. He takes shots. It's, it's really good stuff. Barrett, thank you, buddy. All the best. Yeah, Ken. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Barrett Salee with us on the show. And he couldn't be more right. If we've seen anything, when the NBA, with that March 11th is when they did that, the NBA was like, done. We're done. And it took forever. It's flatly easier to wait than it is to stop and then restart. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Up next, fair warning to any of those Jags fans out there, I know from experience this isn't pretty and this isn't worth it. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.